as most of, many of you will know, we've moved house recently. And probably about well, 15, 20 years ago, I discovered this thing. I, I don't like DIY. I'm, I'm not a DIY enthusiast. I can just about put a set of shelves up or simple things like that. But I really don't like it. I'm not that good at it. And I get fed up and bored and frustrated and, you know, the rest of it. And so I found this was great for me, no more, no more nails. Man. Oh, great, no more DIY, just stick everything up, you know. It's great, it's really strong. So when we moved into our last house in Bramall just over 20 years ago, I had to put a picture up on a wall. It was, it was one of those hollow walls, so you needed a special plug and you had to go and find things and grope around on the floor in the garage. And I, this is too annoying, this. I said to Alison... I tell you what, so let's ju- why don't I just no more nails this picture to the wall? And, you know, and she said, you know what she said? She said, I'm not living in a house where the pictures are glued to the walls. And she walked <laughs> off. This is what I have to put up with. So, <laughs> trying to think important thoughts and write sermons and end up groping around on the floor in the garage. But all of us whether you are not a great DIY expert like myself, or actually you're really good. We are all builders. We're all builders. And we come to this final uh, chapter, final passage on the Sermon in the Mount, on the, for, sorry, the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. So we come to, uh, for the last, really since, since the end of January, we've been stepping through the Sermon on the Mount. There's been a lot of teaching, a lot of diverse teaching on a lot of topics. We've been looking at marriages, our enemies, forgiving our enemies, blessing those who persecute us. We've been looking at how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is in there. How to fast, how to give, how to forgive. We've been talking about worry and the lilies of the field. We've been talking about judging and planks and, and beams in people's eyes. And at the end of it, we come to this um, final, little, final little story. In all of this uh, sermon that Jesus gives, Jesus constantly says the same thing, which is, he contrasts our outward profession of faith with our internal hearts. Jesus says, I'm less interested in your adherence to rules and more more interested in your hearts being transformed. And we talked about that last week. But this week we come to the the climax, really, of the sermon. And up till now, it's been um, a lot of different topics a lot of different topics, no stories. But suddenly Jesus switches tack in the last half of chapter 7 and the tone changes. Suddenly it's not about teaching on adultery or prayer or giving. Suddenly it's all about narrow roads uh, and false and, and true disciples and false and true prophets. And this little story that pops up at the end, just a few lines. Why does he bother to use a story? Good question. Jesus often used stories, didn't he? Because we remember stories. We remember the wise man built his house upon the rock. It's a story. And it nails truth to our heart, particularly with a song. Songs are great at nailing truth to our hearts. But Jesus, Jesus would often use a story, and you know that. So for, he, he could have just said, you know, you must, you must do what I say. You mustn't just listen, you must do. And ended it there. But he tells a story. And, and likewise, um, when he was talking about the greatest commandment, and love God and love your neighbor. And somebody stood up and said, but Jesus, who is my neighbor? He could have just said, well, look around. But Jesus said, a man went up from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was mugged by some robbers. And they left him and the Samaritan came. Or on another occasion, Jesus was talking about the heart of God. And he could have said, 
You can always come back to God. God will always give you a second chance, a third chance, a hundredth chance. He could have said that, but instead he said, a man once had two sons, and one day the younger son came and said, give me what's mine so I can go and spend it, the prodigal son. So stories is is the way that Jesus communicates. Some of his most profound teaching is in these little pithy stories that we find here and there throughout the gospel. And here is one of them today. Jesus is talking literally about foundational matters. The Sermon on the Mount is about discipleship, foundational teaching for disciples. It's not kind of makes sense that he uses this story about house builders to tell it. And as he goes into the story, he uses this word, which again we often see in the Bible, therefore, Paul uses it a lot. And whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you should always ask, what's it there for? If you see a therefore, ask the question, what's it there for? And the way to find out is to read the bit before it. Okay, so we'll do that as well. We'll actually read it twice. So this is from the NIV. False and true disciples. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who obey the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. We don't often do this, but I'd like to just read it again, just to uh, nail it into our, into our beings. And I'm just going to use this version from the message, okay? So listen again. Knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What's required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment. Thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preach the message. We bash the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. And then the therefore bit... These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on on solid rock. Rain poured down, rivers flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed in the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. See, it was biblical, what I did this morning. (laughs) 
When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. applause. They had never heard teaching like this. Okay, so let's step through the story uh, that Jesus brings us. Um, and we, It's just got three parts to it. Okay, so part number one. Everybody builds a house. Everybody builds a house. Whatever, whether we're good at DIY or not, we're all house builders. And in fact, what you did this week, the things you said, uh, the, things that you, the way you treated others, that all added to your character. You're building a house. We're building a house every day. This morning, whatever you did, whatever you said before you came to church, we built part of that house. And next week, the things you will say or do, or not say and not do, will, you, you will be building a house. One kind of house, says Jesus, is, 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 is typified by, uh, for example, anger. We can become angry with each other and we stay angry into the next day and the next day and the next week. We can't let it go. It's, it's too hurtful. We don't let go of anger. When we do that, we're building a house. Or hurtful words. Some of us are, will put other people down with words. It's easy and it's clever and it's easy to do and it feels good when you say something that hurts the other person or you remind them of that incident years ago that you've never forgotten. Whenever we do that, when we bring those things up, when we use words to, to demolish other people, we're building a house. Or when we habitually give in to temptation, whether it's passing on the next piece of gossip or sexual, sexual we're only ever one click away from porn on the internet. If we habitually fall into this, we're building a house. And as Jesus says, if we're always listening in Bible studies, in church, but never being changed, we're building a house. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. But there's another kind of house, another kind of character we can build, says Jesus. So, we will get angry. God doesn't say, don't get angry, because he knows what we're like. God says, when you get anger, when you get angry, don't be angry into the next day. And don't let your anger lead you into doing something sinful. Ephesians 4. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. When we do that, and we pull our anger back in, and we contain it, we're building another kind of house. Or when we hold on to those hurtful words, and we don't say them, or we say those words that are the hardest words to say in the English language. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know you felt like that. When we, when we do that, when we can say that, we're building another kind of house. When we resist temptation, or when we fall for temptation, but we bring it back to Jesus, we bring it back to God, ask for forgiveness, confess what we've done, ask for strength to do better, when we do that, we're building another kind of house, this other kind of house. And when we don't just listen to, to, in church or in Bible studies or to podcasts or sermons on the, on the internet, we don't just listen, but we actually pray for God to change us. We are building another kind of house. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and both types of house represent us. So we're always building. Everybody builds a house. And Jesus says, at the end of this great swathe of teaching, you've listened and you've enjoyed it, and you've all nodded your heads in agreement, said, what wonderful teaching. You've all burst into applause, says the message version. But what will you do? What will you do now? with these words. And so Jesus says, one man goes out on a sunny day, the sun's shining, the sea is blue, it's a beautiful beach, the sand gives way easily, it's so easy to build a house. It looks fantastic, everybody says, what a fantastic house, who wouldn't want to live there? 
Another man goes out, and it's hard to build. In fact, it takes him all of his life to build. Not as impressive, not as glamorous, looks a bit odd perhaps sometimes, but he's building on rock. So point number one, everybody builds a house. Second point, every house will get hit by the storm. Every house will get hit by the storm. It would be great if there were no storms. It would be great if God came along after we'd listened to the Bible, read the Bible, listened to messages, and we've sort of internalized them, and we've learned some verses, and we're good at talking to other people, and we know our faith. If God just came along and said, can you answer a few questions like a surveyor, like a building control person who comes along with a certificate, that would be great, but that's not how it works. Actually, God allows storms to happen, and life does bring us storms. Life does bring us difficult times. Not the kind of British drizzle that we see, but real storms can hit us in life. Two types of storm in the Bible. <clears throat> There's uh, the eschatological, or the end of time, the judgment day. That is a kind of storm as well, where God will say, let's look at the house. But there's also the storms of life, uh, which a lot of uh, the Gospels, a lot of Paul in his writings talks about how do we deal with the things in life that hit us, that are unexpected. Um, we, can, we can't predict these storms. <coughs> Excuse me. They can be very hard, so failure of an interview, failure of an exam, but they can be much harder than that, can't they? The loss of someone near to us. Uh, crippling self-doubt or crippling loss of faith or a terminal illness that simply won't budge. These are the storms of life that come and will test our houses. They can include life events from outside or temptation from inside. They come from every direction. Remember Jesus said, the waters rose from the ground, the rain came from above and the wind blew from all around. These storms can come from any direction, from people outside of us, or from temptation or depression within. They can come from situations at home, situations at work, from anywhere. And they do. And they do. Let's just pause for a second and stay on this topic of storms in life and just talk about it for a minute. So one question, <clears throat> which is a good question to ask, is why do some people have a much worse time than others? It seems sometimes that some folks, you know, we all have problems, <clears throat> for sure we all have problems, but some folks get through life without really too much trouble, and other people seem to go from one crisis to another, or there's one crisis they can never get away from. Why is that? Why is that? I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. I don't think we're given the reason for that. Somebody once said to me, when we were going through something, and I was asking this question, I said, why us, why us, why has this happened to us? And they said, well, why not us? What makes us different that it wouldn't happen, that these difficult things in life wouldn't happen to us? Because we can fall into a little trap, <clears throat> and we can think that life's traumatic events won't really happen to us, because we're believers. God will somehow stop those things happening to us. That we think there's a deal where 
As long as I read the Bible, as long as I pray, as long as I give to the poor and do those things and try to follow Jesus, which is good, all of that, God will stop the really bad things happening. You know, I'll, I'll still, I might lose my job, I might fail in an interview, I might get ill for a bit, but the really difficult things, God will stop those happening. There is no deal like that. There is no deal like that. There is a deal, but it's not that. God does not stop the most traumatic events happening to Christians, and some of you know that. Um, the last time I looked, there were Christians suffering from cancer as well as non-Christians. The last time I looked, there were Christians in road traffic accidents as well as non-Christians. And the last time I looked, he was, sending, he was causing the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He was sending the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God doesn't promise to take us out of the storm. That would be great if Jesus said, here's a sheltered place. You won't even know there's a storm. It's so quiet. God doesn't do that. But he does anchor us in the storm. He does hold on to us in the storm. We've been singing about that this morning. And some of you, have, most of you have, thought, have found this out as well. God can hold, hold on to us in the storm. And here's an important point, which we often miss, and I often forget as well. God's ability to hold on to you has nothing to do, actually, with your ability to hold on to him. It's a little bit like this. Imagine um, if you're a parent, you're running down a steep hill with your little boy or little girl. Or you did this with your parent. You held their hand and you ran down a steep hill. So the little girl is running down the hill with her dad. And she's enjoying it to start with, but then she suddenly realizes everything's going really fast. I'm not sure I can stay standing up. His steps are like this. But her legs are going like mad. And she's running faster, so she tries to run faster. But then she realizes, I'm, I'm not going to stay up. So then she does the thing which we would all do. She thinks, if I can only hang on to my daddy's hand, I'll be okay. If I can only hold on tight, I'll be okay. But then she realizes she can't hold on. There's too many bumps. Everything's moving so fast. The hill is getting steeper and steeper. She can't hold on. And it's only then that she realizes the most important truth, that it doesn't matter that she can't hold on to her daddy's hand because her daddy is holding on to her hand. And sometimes it's only when we get to the point where we feel we're almost letting go, where, where something has happened in our life, that we can actually know that God does hold us. God holds us, sometimes in a way that we only realize years afterwards that God held on to me. It may take maybe a, a, a long time afterwards that we realize that God really held us during that time. God's ability to hold on to you in the storm is not dependent on your ability to hold on to him. And that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. In the end, there are questions, and there will be questions in life that we simply can't answer. God doesn't always answer our questions, but God, doesn't, God may not answer our questions sometimes, but he does give us himself. He may not, may not answer our questions, but he does give us himself. So, let's come to the final part. Everybody builds a house. Everybody builds a character. Everything we do day by day, whether we know it or not, everything we will do this week, we're building a house. 
And this little parable teaches every house will get hit by a storm. In life, things will happen that will, that will, put, that will trouble us, that will shake the foundations. And then the third part, after the storm, God only has one question. After the storm has subsided, and eventually it will subside, God only has one question. And it's not about the colour of our curtains or the colour of our carpets or what we're planting in the garden. God only has one question, and it's after the storm, what did your house look like? After the storm, how was your house? How was it after the storm? Jesus says there are effectively two types of house. But God is asking this question, did you build on the rock I supplied? Did you build on the rock of discipleship, of of staying in relation with Jesus, of obedience to Jesus? Did you build with the rocks that I supplied? Some, no. Some houses will come down with a crash. But other houses will stay up. And I believe there's more than one kind of house that stays up. So let's just look at that before we end. Houses that stand. So some houses are standing perfect after the storms. Almost perfect. You know, the window, the fence may have come down, something like that in the garden, stuff has moved about, but pretty much their houses look really good, really strong. They have built on the rock of discipleship, of staying close to God, staying in the word, staying in fellowship, staying in worship, and their houses look good. And God says that's great. He loves it that those houses were built on the rock of discipleship. Other houses, however, are still standing, but have taken significant damage. The chimney's down, the windows have blown in, the fences have all gone, but the house is still standing. These people are still maintaining a relationship with Jesus. It's been difficult, it's been hard. And God loves it that your house was built on the rock. But I think, actually, there's a third kind of house, a third kind of house, where some folks suffer great damage in this life. Still others, where the house is torn apart, a wall is down, perhaps it's like that. It's really been ripped apart. The, to- the storm has taken a, tel- a terrible toll on this house. And deep questions remain. Why would God allow this? Why did God allow this to happen to us? Why would God allow this situation to happen to us? And some people, and in a group this size, I know there'll be people here, some of you will have questions that you will take to the next life that only God can answer. You have a question. And you can't, nobody can give you the answer in, in this world. Only God can do that. And that's okay. He is more than capable of talking to you about that issue when, when it's the right time. For now, he asks you to live alongside that, what that situation, whatever it is, live alongside. It's not going to be solved and stay in discipleship. So, good and faithful servant, if that's you. Lastly, and we can all relate, I think, to one or more of those houses, maybe more than one, in in different different phases of your life. Uh, Let's close this, and uh, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Next week we start a new series on following Jesus. Again, foundational words which we can either listen to, which is great, or listen to and do something with. But for now, let's finish this. 
Everybody builds a house. Whatever we decide to do with Jesus' words on all those topics that he's covered in Sermon on the Mount, what we decide to do, we, that, that builds our house. Whatever we decide to do, we're building that house. Every house gets hit by the storm. Some storms are very severe. In the morning, the sky was grey. By lunchtime, it was throwing it down. In the afternoon, the wind started picking up. And in the evening, there was a howling gale. And the storm, whatever it was in your life, seemed to go on and on and on over the night, over years. And sometimes we have questions about that. Sometimes, sometimes the prayers go up and the blessings haven't come down that we were expecting. There are questions that we have. And for some of the, the situations, the storms are far worse than others. But after these storms, whatever they are, whatever we go through, God does have a question for us. And it's simply, how was your house after the storm? How was your house after the storm? We talked about, um, a few weeks ago, in an evening service, we talked about why does God allow bad things to happen? We don't, we don't have the answer. We don't have the answer. You know, um, there are some things that can help. I think it helps to ask another question sometimes. Why does God allow good things to happen? Why don't we ask that question? Why should there be beautiful days like yesterday? Stunning flowers alongside. Why should there be those stunning colours? Why should there be somebody who cares about me and who, who, who I can see at the end of the day, who smiles? Why, why should good things happen? Or why do more bad things not happen? I'm pretty convinced that when I get to heaven, God will show me all the bad things that didn't happen, all the little accidents and perhaps big accidents I really should have had on the road when I was not paying attention, all the things that should have happened at work that should have gone wrong. Maybe that's 99% of the bad things. And God will form our character as well through what happens in our lives. God doesn't make bad things happen, but God will use them to form our character, to build, to form that house. So, um, for example, if bad things never happened, think about it, there would be no such thing as courage. You wouldn't need courage because there'd be nothing scary, right? Bad things never happened, there'd be no such thing as persistence. Because everything would be fine, everything would work the first time. We wouldn't learn persistence. Bad things never happened, there'd be no such thing as valor, as character. Lots of things. God doesn't make them happen, but God will use them, and he will use them to help us build these houses. And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, God will ask us this question, how was your house after the storm? Did you build with the rock of discipleship? Which basically means obedience to my word, not just listening, and a personal relationship with Jesus. So, as we go into this week, let's remember, we're building houses, whatever we say, whatever we decide to do, whatever we decide to not say and not do, we're building houses. Don't build as though this world was the only thing that mattered. What kind of house will you build today, this week, this year? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, and we know, Lord, that many of us hurt inside from things that have happened, maybe things that are still happening. Lord, we bring these to you, and we trust you, Father, and we, we thank you, Lord, that you do anchor us, Father. Thank you, Lord, that people here are building with the rock of discipleship. People are still here. People are still worshipping. People are still praising you. People here are still trying to make your ways their ways, and that's discipleship. And I thank you for that today. And we pray, Lord, as we go into a new week, Lord, 
Help us to build as you would have us build. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.